the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 36, recorded Friday, April 6th, 2012. The UFOs have landed. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I am your host, Tim Albright. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is week, we have uh, two fine, fine gentlemen. One is Phil Cordell. He is also known as the AV Professional, or Hi-Fi. How are you, sir? Doing well, Tim. How are you? I am well. Uh, we'll, we'll pimp this at the end, but I will also say that a couple days ago, um, I stumbled across Phil's uh, latest song, about um, video conferencing and very very cool. I'm going to put a link to it on the show notes, but it was very very well done. So, Thanks, congratulations dude. to you on that. Uh, also with us is Adrian Boyd. Adrian is the owner operator uh, and the chief geek over at Vector Sketch in St. Louis. How are you, brother? I'm good. How are you? I am well. Uh, Adrian just went to Crestron training here recently. They they they're in the middle of a road show. So if you're a Crestron guy uh, and like their DM stuff. Uh, check them out in your local area. They were in St. Louis yesterday. We're taping this on the 6th of April. I was unfortunately not able to make it because, well, I'm just a silly man that I'm going to grad school and stuff. So, Aspirations. I know, I know. I have to Getting have my that edumacated. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> well, speaking of Crestron, we're going to talk about them this uh, today. They're, they have installed their 50,000th 50, DM unit. Um, they probably didn't do the installation. They tend not to do that, but someone someone installed it. Uh, projector Desire is up 66% uh, across the market. And we're going to talk about one of the coolest things that I think I've seen in a long time, and that is a flexible e-paper made out of LEDs. Uh, but first, uh, we have a wonderful partnership with Rave Publications, Gary Kay and the guys and gals, uh, the, the, the women in AV over there. Uh, one thing that we're going to talk about real quick, and, and um, I don't Pinterest, so I apologize if I butcher this, uh, but it's their first ever Rave Pinterest contest. And this is basically what they want you to do. If you Pinterest... And if you pin, I know the word pin because my wife Pinterest, so that you, you pin something, I know that. Um, you, they're asking you to pin your favorite AV dream home. Uh, and they want you to have a pin for a display, a sound system, about nine, uh, nine categories all together. You do this on Rave's um, pin site, which is Pinterest.com forward slash Rave Pubs. Pinterest.com forward slash Rave Pubs. Uh, for more information on the contest and everything else like that, go to ravepubs.com, ravepubs.com. You could win a fancy schmancy uh, brand new iPad. And uh, I will tell you from personal experience, it's freaking cool. <laughs> hmm. 
Uh, I'm glad I, you joined Dark Side. I did. I did. I, about a week ago, I got. I, I broke down and and bought and I, I bought the new iPad. It's not the three. It's the new iPad. Uh, and I am absolutely addicted. It's ridiculous. It's it's you know yeah. I need help. They're already. fun. They are awesome, dude. <laughs> and it's amazing how small children figure them out faster than parents. Yes, both of mine have. So, uh, but if you Pinterest and you'd like a new a new iPad, go ahead and, and go on on Rave's uh, Pinterest board and build your dream home. There, there, you know, there. There's no budget because it's all just pinning. So hey, you know. Uh, really cool stuff. So yeah, check that out. Uh, Pinterest.com forward slash rave pubs. And this has got to be one of the helpful uses for in Pinterest. I would think. I would hope. I don't. I don't Pinterest either. I don't know a lot about it. But I know it's ra- ripping uh, relationships apart in Nashville, Tennessee right now. Friends have not seen their wives <laughs> in months, and they're scared. There's new mason jar decorations all yes. over the home. Yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah. My my wife made. Um, the uh, a discipline jars <laughs> and it it sounds so it, it sounds so uh devious it's like okay you've done something wrong here's this this painted mason jar it's painted red like bright red you stick your hand in it a la you know dune <laughs> and you you pull out the the punishment slash you know the toy you're going to get taken away for doing the you know the childish thing you just did so Oh, talk about the red right hand. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I, that, there's there's that side, but the good side, the, the 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 cool side of Pinterest is I've gained ten pounds because you know she, she's cooking really well you know, here lately. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's pretty happening, man. Yeah, from what I understand, it's pretty happening. So it yeah, should only, be a cool contest. Yeah, the only thing I know about Pinterest is people are scared that there's copyright stuff with pictures. Other than that, I don't follow it. Nah, I, 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 yeah, I don't think so. Uh, there, there is no copyright on the internet, is there? No, I, certainly, I certainly hope not. Because, yeah. you know. Um, oh, a week ago, uh, not quite a week ago, a week ago tomorrow again or Sunday, April first. Let's just let's just start there. April first. We saw the end of, of of an era, I guess. Not really an era, but the end of a company, at least a company name. And that is uh, when Sanyo officially kind of got wrapped up into Panasonic. Now, a few months ago, we talked with uh, with uh, Sam Malik, really great guy. Uh, he heads up the display division of Sanyo back out on the West Coast. And he explained it really well. Basically, um, Panasonic bought Sanyo and. For that, they can do darn well what they want to do with the company. And what they're doing is they're just wrapping up everything and, and making everything under the Panasonic name. Now, in the Middle East, and I want to say it was Saudi Arabia, but I could have the country wrong there. There will be some Sanyo projectors there because there are contractual things with that. Uh, but outside of that, it, it, anything you see from here on out will not say Sanyo. It will simply say Panasonic, which is cool, fine, groovy, awesome. Um. So if you were a Panasonic dealer this week, you got this handy-dandy uh, partner update uh, called the uh, – uh, called the actually, it's what it's called, the partner update. And basically it goes on to say, you know, today Panasonic is, is introducing Panasonic System Communication Company of North America. This new company combines both Panasonic System Networks Company of North America and Panasonic Solutions Company into a single entity. I, I kind of read into this that they're basically they're just kind of conglomerating everything down into this. Uh, Phil, is this kind of what you see here? Is that they're just kind of, you know, not 
not consolidating in the you know office space. You know, you, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, kind of thing. But making the channels easier because they just they just ad- adopted and pulled under their tent a whole lot of old Sanyo guys that they're going to have to you know make really happy over the next couple of years as as the growing pains of this integration happens. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense to kind of streamline not just uh, not just the channels, but the communications as well. You know, as opposed to putting out information about this and this and this, let's just push it all down one easy network. Uh, it's all one big happy family, and treat it that way. You know, I don't I don't think consolidation is necessarily a bad thing when it makes life easier, and I think that's really what it's going to do for for their partners. I would hope. We'll hoping. see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, and Adrian Panasonic has had uh, a good history, I think, of of making most things easy. I mean, they've had their bumps along the way. Uh, is this something you see going rather well uh, in the next in the, in the foreseeable future? Because you know they're trying to you know they're trying to bring all these all these disparate people into their into their organization. I hope so. I mean, it makes perfect sense when you look at uh, the two groups that they're. They're kind of joined together, you know, uh, their broadcasts, their projectors, their um, security systems, displays, cameras, all in one group. And, and when I've talked to some of the Pan- Panasonic people, uh, they had a big um, event uh, a few months back for churches that a lot of times because the groups were kind of separated, you didn't know what one group was doing and another group was doing. And it was sometimes a pain when you needed to collaborate on projects. You needed to bring in the security and the broadcast side. And, you know, and now a lot of that stuff is it's, it's emerging. It's not uncommon to see a security-grade camera in, you know, an AV system with a broadcast camera. So it makes perfect sense to me. And, and what I find so funny, it was this April 1st that they got rid of Sanyo. Oh, no, that's not <laughs> nice. <laughs> We've I known was it was waiting. April 1st for a while. Hey, gee, the April Fool's joke, you know, you never know. But I think it's it's great for for Panasonic to do. It's you know you look at you can consolidate the brand. You, you it definitely is going to streamline a lot of things when it comes to marketing, uh, contacts. Uh, I took a look really briefly at at you know what they're going to be doing with the various uh, uh, markets and zones um, for uh, their uh, distributors and and their uh, their managers and so on. And it's it's going to create a little more of a cohesive. Who do I talk to when I need to get something? Instead of well, I need to talk to this guy and he's in a different market, and then I need to go see another guy and he's in a different market. It's going to bring it all together. I think it it'll make Panasonic a much stronger entity in the United States uh, going forward for business. And I certainly hope so because I have, like I mentioned, we, we know Sam Malik. I know a couple of other guys in, in, in Sanyo and in, also in Panasonic, and it's it's a good solid company. You 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 hope that that you hope the best for them. So, uh, from our buddies over at Rave Publications, HP, Microsoft, and Polycom bundling against Cisco. Boom boom boom. We talked about this on the Daily Rave the other day with Gary Kay, and I, I, I referred to them as the unholy trinity. <laughs> and it was kind of mean, I'll admit it, uh, because I like all three companies. Um, I do. but it, And they're going up against the big evil, <laughs> and that's also mean. But um, So what, what's happening is this, is, is they're all kind of, they're, they're bringing what they do really well to this group. And they're coming against Cisco, 
who already has what each of them does really well. And, and that's hardware from HP. It's, it's some software stuff from Microsoft, and it's obviously the telecommunication stuff. Uh, the telecom stuff, the, you know, the, video communication, the video conferencing, and also the, you know, the phone conferencing stuff from, from Polycom. So, Adrian, is this, I mean, are, are these guys going to be able to, you know, have a great big giant uh, booth at Infocom, uh, just like Cisco did last year, where they can say now, hey, look, you come to us and we can give you an end-to-end solution just like just like the Cisco boys do? Oh, certainly. Uh, it, what I find interesting is a lot of this has started to come about when since Polycom has kind of absorbed all of HP's, um, you know, UC and video conferencing products uh, when they kind of bought that out of them. What will be really interesting to see is how Skype gets integrated in all of this because that's one of the big things when we look at video conferencing uh, is Skype as this kind of outside player that's been slowly taking over the market. And when you look at what Microsoft is bringing to the table, they're bringing their, you know, enterprise-based solution, which is kind of like, Microsoft Net Meeting on steroids and and uh, uh, Windows Messenger uh, that's a little more secure and it's it's uh, cloud based uh, in some respects. So you're bringing in HP that's going to be supplying the hardware. Microsoft has got the software, and then Polycom is is going to round everybody out so that when you're looking at your contact manager inside your enterprise environment, oh, there's Steve, oh, there's Phil. Let's bring them in on a conference. Oh, and then there's Shirley out there in Skype land. Let's bring her in too. So if all those products and solutions coming together, it's going to make uh, for a lot of companies that are looking for those solutions and they're not liking what Cisco's bringing to the table, they're going to like what maybe Microsoft and HP and what Polycom have got coming up. Just had a question. Where, where is Skype land? Is that near Newfoundland? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a uh, second start of the right uh, straight oh, on until morning. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's the first time we've ever had uh, um, Pierre Pan mentioned on the show. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think the you know the competition never hurts anybody. I think it's going to make all the all the companies work harder, and, and it's going to make the products better. And as you mentioned, I mean, you really have to put together a few different companies to to put together the solutions that Cisco on their own already offers. And I just got to go ahead and throw this out there. I really really like Cisco telepresence. So <laughs> really. Uh, well, hey, hey, well, it's not that, Cisco Telepresence. It's Tanberg. Come on. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's Tanberg. No, I it'll know. always be Tanberg. I don't care how they rebrand it. It'll be Tanberg. Well, and, and, and for those of you in St. Louis, it'll always be Riverport. So there's a music venue, an outside music venue in St. Louis. Uh, when it opened up, it was called Riverport. And since then, it's been the rights to the name has, have been sold five or six times. And when I was on the air in St. Louis, I got I got in trouble once or twice from my program manager because – Technically, you're supposed to call it whatever it is that they, you know, that they named it. So yeah, you're right, Adrian. It's it's still Tanberg. It is, and as a commercial integrator, I mean, we experienced a lot of hiccups uh, when Tanberg was acquired, particularly on the support side. But over the you know over the past year, the, a lot of those have gotten ironed out, and uh, and I you know I dig I dig the C40s, I, I dig the whole C series. Um, and, and, you know, I just, I like what they can do, and I like that it's a complete solution. Uh, 
I think the Skype question will always haunt everyone. You know, I mean, again, as a commercial integrator, I get asked that all the time. We'll install a, a ridiculously awesome Kodak, you know, and dual 60-inch monitors or something. And they're like, yeah, so can I use Skype on it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, you know, I'm sure we can integrate it somehow, but you, you're not getting the big picture. You know, I mean, if if, uh, if we can all agree on some happy standards-based ways to communicate, I think everybody will get a, a little slice of the pie. But I can't blame companies for trying to to take the whole enchilada, you know, by themselves. And I think uh, I think Cisco's certainly doing that. And Polycom's, you know, the, with their UC stuff. I mean, they're making a a good play for for uh, enterprise wide businesses as well. You know, it's really interesting what's going on. And it is to me, it's a pretty cool technology that's out there. You know, because it's I mean, what we're doing right now. You know, this stuff wasn't possible no. 15, 20 years ago. You know, no, it was an ISDN line. You know, and, that, and 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 an expensive one at that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and when you were doing this fifteen or twenty years ago, it was a pain. You know, it didn't work. I remember times where you were, you would sit there and you the client was always, oh, "It's your stuff. It's broken." No, it's not our fault. And then you would sit there with the with the telephone guys and you would start pinging the lines and you would start showing them where the problems were in their system. Nine times out of ten, it was some stupid mess up in a switch somewhere that. You know, it wasn't it was completely out of your hands. Now it's a little easier, you know, when you come when it gets into troubleshooting and making it work. Um, I, I think one of the the issues that when we look at video conferencing overall or, or UC telepresence is is the end user's understanding with how it really operates, and they're used to it being a little more easier because they're used to Skype, they're used to FaceTime or iChat. Uh, you know, in a PC-based environment or a Mac-based environment or, you know, now look at your, your iPhone or, or your Droid phone or whatever the heck it is. You can do it on that device now. And they're, the familiarity is more there, but they're going, well, I just press a button and make it work, where a lot of times there's, there's a little more effort on our end to make that happen. Well, and I think some of this is in response to the smaller guys. And, and I don't know, you know, from a, a gross, you know, uh, how much each company grossed last year, but it, my perception is the fact that, that Polycom and, and Cisco now would be the industry leaders and people like LifeSize and the others would be the, the smaller guys. And LifeSize has had a solution for Skype for a number of years. So this may not be, yes, they're, you know, they're, they're going against Polycom, or the Polycom is going against Cisco for an end-to-end solution, but they're also fighting off these smaller, more nimble guys who have already integrated Skype because they've seen the fact of, of what we're talking about here that you know the, the 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 end user is already wanting to integrate Skype even though they may see it as you know the lowest <laughs> the lowest end video conferencing it's what the user wants and if the what that's what the user wants well you know what you have to make it happen and it's not just that you look at how many uh companies have shown up uh, I'd say maybe the last four maybe two three four years that are a software-based type of codec, you know, that is using a webcam, which is a when you look at the price of what you're doing, sometimes is a heck of a lot cheaper. And when you're looking at the bottom line for uh, mid-sized companies, uh, small business, uh, even some large companies, they're looking going, hey, you know, this is a heck of a lot cheaper than a dedicated room with a dedicated camera and displays and so on, where I can just do it with a computer and, and a software provider. And a cheap little, you know, twenty dollar webcam. So there's that. There is always that stigma that some of these systems are going to have to overcome because video conferencing has gotten such a bad rap uh, when it first started. 
you know, it was cumbersome. It didn't work. Now it's gotten easier. We've standardized on a lot of the technology and a lot of the protocols to make it work. Uh, but you know, you still, it, it's still not the, um, the wonderful panacea that has been promised, you know, since the sixties, you know, when AT&T was first promoting, uh, teleconferencing. <laughs> Yeah, the video phones and, and you know, it pops up on your TV. Hi, how you doing? And, and, I mean, even Gary has mentioned many times that, you know, uh, some of the video conferencing solutions, unlike Biscotti, you know, uh, they're great applications and they have because they're allowing that HDMI pass-through. But mm-hmm. I don't – I haven't seen them get a lot of um, – gaining a foothold and getting a lot of, of, of market share or even a tread because it's – you still have to get past that um, – you know the grandma factor, or the or the spouse factor, when it comes to certain parts of technology, you know it's got to work for them, or it just doesn't work at all. Well, let me ask you guys this, and I I just thought of this. It, is this a case where? So okay, Phil, you 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 guys are about my age, roughly. I, I apologize if you're not yet to you know the ancient <laughs> level that I am, but you guys are about the same rough age, yeah, give or take twenty years. And is it the fact that guys like us who grew up watching the Jetsons and grew up watching Buck Rogers and grew up watching Star Trek and Star Wars, is it the fact that, you know what, gosh darn it, I want my video phone. I want to talk to to, to, uh, to Mr. Sprocket. You know, I want him to call yelling and screaming at me and, and see his, his the veins popping out of his head through the video phone. I want that. And the quicker I can get it, the better. That's why I love the Biscotti. The Biscotti is, you know, virtually that on my big screen. Or is it, you know, uh, and we're the only ones, though, who wants it. So is that why stuff like home-based video conferencing hasn't taken off? Or is it something entirely different? It, it is, you know, a, you know what, Skype's just easier to use. Well, I, I certainly can identify with that. I think we all have the feeling of some unfulfilled promises from our youth. Flying cars. <laughs> that, uh-huh, that we are waiting on the on the technology to fulfill. Uh, and... And I think that's just how it is. So maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe the generation that's just now coming up, that's coming up with Skype, you know, yeah, it's not as big of a deal. And I've been watching, you know, watching Dick Tracy as a kid and thinking if I could just look at somebody on my on my yeah. wristwatch, that would be tops, man. That would be so swell. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's as, that big of a deal. But it's funny that we're talking about this the same week that uh, I'm sure you guys have seen the promo for the Google Glasses. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> That's pretty crazy stuff too, man. I mean, there's all you know. I when I see things like that, even if that's two years out, three years out, and who knows how to work when it comes out, uh, things like that get me jazzed up. Like, okay, there's there's some of the stuff that I was really looking forward to as a kid. You know, it's it's gonna it's gonna get here. The Google Glasses story reminds me of a, of a book I I read called Metropolis, and I say read it was on 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 Audible. Um, not a sponsor here, but I do love them to death. <laughs> to death. And it was it was talking about augmented reality glasses and and one of the it was a Metropolis is a, is a collection of short stories. One of them was about a a um, augmented reality uh, town. Um, it was just really really cool. So yeah, yeah, and what what's really kind of interesting is we look at when we're talking about this technology, a lot of technology, especially video conferencing. For a long time, it's been the infrastructure that's been a big cost uh, mm-hmm. prohibitive factor. Now that the infrastructure has gotten cheaper, you know, we're you doing a lot of stuff over over uh, the internet, uh, whichever way you want to look at it. 
that, that cost has gone down. So a lot of these products that it's easier to put in people's hands and make happen. And I think that's the key factor. When the infrastructure gets cheaper, when the product, when people start to adopt it in a little more, um, I don't want to say, in an easier fashion, then it starts to be, you see it more and it starts to uh, to definitely make an impact in the market. I, I think that, you know, you'll start seeing more and more of these applications, especially with, you know, when Microsoft gets Skype sort of formally under their umbrella you're going to see it explode because it's going to be one of their big things that they're going to bundle with everything. It'll come pre-installed on Windows. It'll be integrated into, you know, the next version of Internet Explorer. It'll be the the thing that they come forward to. And, you know, and then when you look at Apple, they just have to update their product and keep it working, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, be, yeah, be, before we wrap up this conversation mm-hmm. again, Tim, let, let me just reiterate that I, Hi-Fi, the AV professional, Love Cisco telepresence. More will be re- <laughs> I understand. I understand. I like them. I do. I I, I always I well and, and I always liked Tanberg and, and so now by extension I like Cisco. So I do too. I, I love Tanberg and and uh, and I think they're doing a they're doing a fine job. Yeah. Uh, incorporating it. So I just want it to work. Yeah, well, <laughs> just, they just will. It, it'll work with everything because Cisco controls everything. That's the thing. Go ahead. Just, um, just, just have it work. From the guys over at Engadget, really smart bloggers of technology, uh, they're talking about the latest, greatest Microsoft Connect stuff. And I bring this up because we've talked before about um, you know the Connect being able to to be used to control our control systems. Uh, they came up with this really cool idea to basically seed eleven companies. And uh, that we're developing apps uh, for for the Connect. Craig Eisler, the uh, guy that heads up Connect for Windows, uh, they're giving 11, 11 companies from across uh, across the globe twenty grand. Um, oh, and, and some desks. So that's the uh, you know twenty grand, <laughs> and you get a desk and and a, and a phone, I guess. Um, so they wouldn't sell. They wouldn't say exactly what each team is working on, but they said that they'll benefit medical, retail, fashion. Uh, farm industries. I'm con- concerned about that one. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to milk your cows remotely, or, or what. <laughs> so the, the you know, I, I read that and I, I, I kind of looked at this. Gee, the, Tim would hate this press release because there's no information. There. I know, I do. <laughs> but what, what I'm what, the reason I bring it up here is that, is to ask you guys: Do you think you know of the eleven? There's got to be some sort of AV company in there. Whether it's it's Crestron or Extron or AMX proper, or it's you know uh, somebody like our, our buddy Steve Greenblatt who who does you know has a a control company that's kind of what he does is he writes code all day and his guys write code code all day, or somebody like that or you know uh, Rich Fergoza who who does the same thing, uh, developing something to interact connect with with our AV systems. Well, I went out and I tried to figure out what all these companies did. And it's kind of really interesting. The 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 first company, Freaking Genius, mm-hmm. they do real time animation paired with a Kinect. Okay. So you stand in front of the Kinect sensor and and you move around, and then they'll you know they stick a head on the body and they get a little animated body, and that's their software. Uh, Gesture, they do this kind of medical OR equipment control. Hmm. So essentially, you could be using the Kinect to manipulate a screen or potentially some sort of medical equipment in an OR. Um, Incos, they it, it appears they do swimming training. I don't know how the Connect kind of works with swimming training, but they do this training for uh, professional athletes who swim. 
um, this um, Kimtrick, they do this. What they do is they take store metrics. Uh, they they kind of they want to catalog you know how many people walk in your store and, or who look at your window sto- uh, for shopping or what products they look at and uh, or pay attention to in a store and they kind of put that all together to connect and attract you or something like that. Um, the Jitronics they do rehabilitation uh, software and stuff for motor control deficiencies. So that's kind of really you know interesting you know having the connect pair with someone who's disabled and and help them you know figure out how to move their their body after an accident um the mantical they do a sort of a 3d environment scanning where you can scan your room and be able to manipulate it um the nconnect stuff they do gesture based interface control uh, and sense augmentation for the visually impaired and then they did a bunch mm-hmm. of other things too um so and then they the staiku it's a virtual fitting room. And this was the one I, I thought was kind of cool. They basically will use the Kinect camera. They'll scan you as a 3D avatar. And then they'll overlay clothing on your body. And then you could basically get custom fit clothing. And they were working with a, with a vendor to um, get you clothing cut and, and manufactured. And they said it was like, like four days, you know, start to finish to get you like a shirt hmm. custom fitted to you. And then they were, ta- they, they were talking about um, – uh, virtual shoe sizing. Get shoes perfectly sized for your feet and order them. Wow. And then uh, there was the other, there's a couple of this. The UB Interactive, they do this plug-and-play gesture control that turns any display into a 3D touchscreen. Oh, that just excites me to no end. Yeah, I know. So. Uh, and then the Voxon, they make a device called the Voxybox, and it's a 3D volumetric display. And that's there's you go to the website, and there's nothing there. Just put in your email, and they'll send you something. And then the the Zebcare, very little. There's a very there's like no information, and all their website says is we want to prevent severe injuries or accidents before they occur. So I don't know what they would be doing with the connect. Maybe taking photos of your house and figuring out if you trip here you'll fall and hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that that's just. But it would have been nice when they did the press release that they kind of said, "Hey, these are what these guys do," instead of "Here's where they are and here's their address." Yeah, you know it was. Yeah, uh, did you? I don't know if you guys saw that video that came out of ISE of Jeff Singer over at Crestron actually demonstrating yeah. Connect in conjunction. So there's definitely some cool AV uses. Yeah, for and, Connect. and it definitely there's there's a couple, um, you know, third party guys uh, mm-hmm. in our in world that are making stuff for the Connect. You know, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Samsung has got a you know I wouldn't say it's a ripoff, but it's their version of the Connect built into their smart TVs. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. I started. I've started seeing the commercials for it, where it's yeah, just, yeah. it's all interactive, and it's, it, yeah, it's gesture based. Yeah, gesture based, and and uh, as George would say, I'm not a gesture. Yeah, I'm not a gesture. <sighs> I wonder how many companies they seeded who didn't accomplish anything because they had no desks to work on. <laughs> now they know. Yeah, they yeah, can, they can give me. They can give me twenty grand. I don't. Ha- I already have a desk. See. Yeah, you're, you're your own I'm desk. Halfway there. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it was kind of. There were a lot of pe- a lot of companies that applied for this uh i was trying to find the number but it was a huge amount of people that that you know wanted to be involved in this and uh they they originally was supposed to be 10 and they picked 11 so these are the 11 that had you know these were the coolest ideas out of the bunch that actually you know made something that works and more and more of i mean it seems like the master goal is for us to just be able to not go anywhere (laughs) 
I can I can get new clothes without going anywhere and then wear them. Stay at inside, exactly. don't move. Right, while I get fitted for my new shoes, my new kicks. Yes. Uh, all right, from our buddies over at The Verge, LG begins mass production of flexible e-paper display. I said flexible e-paper. In other words, it's a flexible freaking LED screen. Uh, the link that, that you'll get to see on the, uh, on the, on the website here is a guy bringing up an LA times, uh, article and bending it, not quite, you know, in half, but a good crescent moon shape. Uh, this led me obviously to, you know, flexible touch panels and flexible displays. Uh, Phil, is this something that is exciting to you or is this going to start creating, um, havoc when you start having to hang these on, you know, every place, you know, from the floor to the ceiling. Hey, you know, I mean, in terms of slimming down your install crew, uh, you know, you don't, you don't need six guys to hang a hundred and three inch plasma if it's that thin and that light. Um, I don't know. I, I think this is pretty neat. You know, I don't know that it's going to, you know, change the way we do everything, although it very well could replace a lot of the technology we currently use. But, you know, from an installation standpoint, uh, it'd be cool to have a flexi touch panel, but I don't know what other actual benefits there are, you know? I mean, I think it's a pretty cool looking technology, no doubt about it, you know? But so that's cool. It's light and it's bendy. It's bendy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not seeing far enough down the road, you know? It's bendy like my straw. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, Adrian, is this, is this, can you see, you know, I, I, like, like Phil said, you know, you can, you can cut your install team in half, uh, and, and there are no more worker comp, you know, workman's comp, you know, clients right. for pulling it back. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's six inches. It's black and white. It's 1024 by 768. Okay. Uh, it'll definitely make small devices, smaller phones, tablets, uh, there's, you know, I don't know if they've got it to the point where they can actually make large panels or large displays out of it. I think it's really too costly. Oh, give them time. Well, give, certainly give them time. I mean, this is the flexible display has kind of is the holy grail of everything when you think about technology. You, you know, it, when you look at things, you know, wrapping around a, a display on your arm or having, a, you know, DARPA's into this stuff because they want to make uh, small flexible displays to be built into uh, you know, military armor and, and maps and so on. And so this is definitely a way that we're going to be going. It's going to take some more time, but it's, I mean, this is not the first, uh, we, you know, Sony's had a version. Samsung's had a version. I think everybody in their dog has come out with a practical, small application, flexible display. What I want to see is a large application. You know, six inches is great, you know, but uh, it needs to be bigger. Yeah, it does. But it gives <laughs> us, you know, the the cool little, you know, the the, the talking watches that, that Phil wants. So. Yeah. And I remember, I think it was the New York Times or one of the other major papers sunk a lot of cash into that type of this because they were, they were thinking that this yeah. was going to be the way to save that business model. Yeah. Instead of the printing costs, you, you would buy a flexible you know, e-ink type of display from them, and it would be continually updated with content. No, I'd just rather, you know, download the uh, the app on my iPad, so. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> is, it, is it a psychological thing that makes me want to be able to bend it like an actual newspaper? Because what does this do that my iPad doesn't do? You know, it's lighter, I, obviously. I think, it, I, I think it is, and I think it's a I, – I, I, I think it's a generational thing. Like, like you know, our kids will, will never – 
you know, probably probably know the joy of rolling up a newspaper and hitting somebody with it. You right. Know? Wait, your newspapers were made out of actual paper? Yeah. What? Yes. That's crazy. Right. That's right. And what do I do with my coupons and Pinterest? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, from Pacific Media Association, or Associates, sorry, uh, from Pacific Media Associates, they, uh, they took a survey of about 1,000 people and found that the desire, the, the want, the, uh, the not quite need, but the, but the, the need, the, the desire for uh, projectors, at least in, in home theater projectors, is up 66%. And um, I, I kind of saw this as not only cool for the projector manufacturers, uh, interesting. Um, last week on, on the show, um, Matt Scott was talking about putting in dual systems, you know, both, both flat panels and, and projectors. But I also kind of saw it as kind of a, a cool thing for the industry and the economy, the fact that, you know what, these people are um, seeing, you know, the economy recover. They're they're comfortable enough, at least from my point of view, they're comfortable enough saying, yeah, you know, I, I could see myself putting in a, a projector. Adrian, is that, is that, do you see it that way or is it, you know, this is just, you know, hey, yeah, 60, 66% more people want them. Not necessarily they're ready to go out and buy them. Well, the cost has come down, and that's something to think about. I mean, I had a, I've had a friend that they redid his basement, and he put in a projector in the screen. And, I'm, you know, he paid probably next to nothing for those common, you know, he ordered online. And that's what a lot, I think a lot of this is generating is the, when you used to look at a projector, they were some big dough. And that was, you know, a status symbol. Hey, we got a projector and a screen. Now it's gotten to the point where, Everybody can go, hey, I got a projector and screen. You know, in fact, you know, I've got a projector for that I use for for the company. And when we do presentations, you know, we bring it with us. But uh over this last summer, I just said, you know what'd be kind of cool? We could do movies outside. So I bought a big outdoor, you know, fold, you know, fast fold type of screen, you know, to go and set it up and do that. And that's becoming a lot more popular. People are trying to recapture some of those, you know, the drive-in type of of thing that they had when they were a kid, you know, or they want to have that. I want to have the movie theater effect in my home. And now I can do it at a, at a cost that it's not going to break the bank and the wife isn't going to get all ticked off of me and I'm not getting rid of the kid's college fund. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, are they going to be doing the big dedicated room and all the – some will, some won't. But they are definitely going, you know, looking at, you know, the way to do it because you can walk into Best Buy, you can walk into – Heck, you know, any of the Staples, Office, Depot, Max, even Walmart, and you can buy a projector. So it's there, and, and people are going, hey, you know, I can buy a projector for 700 bucks. Oh, look, there's a TV. Yeah. You know, it's only 42 inches, but I can get a projector that can do 106, you know, 100-inch diagonal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're kind of talking, again, almost digital nostalgia. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I want that experience. You know, I want that feel. Um, you know, when, when I dug, if you dig into the numbers, it went from like, you know, 11 percent of all people surveyed up to 18 percent of all people surveyed. So we're still not talking about, you know, a billion people here that that are going to be planning on putting new projectors in. But it's still encouraging, I would think, to, to our industry to think that because from a, again, from a commercial standpoint, we used to hang a ton of projectors, and we still do. But we're just as apt now to put in uh, an eighty-inch, you know, sharp or something. You know, exactly. I mean, why not? You know, it's it's going to be super bright. It's unaffected by by uh, 
room conditions for the most part. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of upside to that. So I think we really are aiming this towards the people that are just nostalgic for that experience that they grew up with, you know, of going to the theater. Yeah, that is true. Yep. And you guys are right. The, the prices have, have, have dropped dramatically. So uh, This comes to us from Aldo. Um, the um, not Aldo, good Lord. I'm on. Sorry, it's Friday. <laughs> from Rave Publications. Online video is set to surpass um, uh, physical media. And uh, this is from a gentleman that, that writes for, for, uh, for Rave Publications. Um, he's an analyst for Insight Media. And basically saying by about 2012, um, the, it's kind of like 2012, 2013, somewhere in there, we're going to see a shift to where the content consumed and the content uh, that people get is going to be more, uh, you're going to get more of your content through online than you are through physical. Now, past couple of weeks, we've talked about the wonderful legal um, issues that Kaleidoscape has been having, and I didn't want to get into that this week, even though there, was, there wasn't something else that happened. But I, I thought that this was actually kind of apropos of that and other things, um, and, and kind of how this affects our industry, because there are more and more things that we need to you know worry about and integrate into our installations not because it's another piece of equipment because it is and just because it's a roku box or it's it's this that and the other streaming device doesn't mean that it changes necessarily the switcher you put in but it does you know it does change some of the interfacing it does change some of the control systems uh phil is this something where we need to be concerned about it or is this something not to not to concern ourselves with um and do you think it's 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 a good thing that we're getting away from physical media uh you know i think it's fine by me uh i mean i grew up with you know stacks and stacks of tape cassettes and uh you know and and all that good stuff so it's fine by me in that sense you know it's it's just such a quickly evolving market though you know you just get somebody sold on the idea that no man you need a blu-ray player and now people (laughs) want blu-ray players so that they can watch netflix on it you know that's that's like the major selling point yeah this thing will stream netflix right absolutely um you know it's just i think it you know it makes me nostalgic for records and tapes and (laughs) cds but uh but man this is the this is the way of the future no doubt about it you know we're getting further and further away i think there's always going to be collectors who uh who want a physical representation of what they're purchasing and that's and that's cool and i think there will always be a market for that uh here in nashville jack white uh from the white stripes has done some really cool stuff with vinyl you know and there's a whole market of people that love to collect vinyl and they want to they want to hold it and smell it and they they like the way it feels and i think there will always be a digital medium uh such as a blu-ray or something that will serve people that want to that want a bookcase full of uh full of keepsakes you know but i'm not i don't think i'm that nostalgic personally uh so i'm i'm cool with it man if you can streamline my life please do uh, Adrian, there there are those people that you know what. I, if I bought this DVD, I want to physically touch this DVD. Uh, but I think that 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 Phil may be onto something here. If you're gonna if you, if you can streamline my life, go ahead and do it. Um, because the the easier and the better you make my life, the you know the the more I'm gonna appreciate you and the more I'm gonna come back to you. 
I think it, when we look at it, there, there's a few things. There is the consumer that goes, I want to have physical media because I bought it, I own it, I want to do what I want with it. And that's kind of always been the argument that we've had on the show and we've seen it and you see in other places when it comes to content uh, and, and copyright. I bought something, I own it, I want to do what I want with it. When we look at streaming media, it's, well, I've bought it, I can kind of move it around, but I may be restricted on how I do that. Some people will not like it, other people just don't care. I, I, when, we, when I look at it, uh, I see that, yeah, we're going to start, it works, we're going to see physical media start to go away in a lot of environments. Uh, I think the where we're going to see it uh, still kind of be uh, around. You're going to see it in libraries. You're going to see it. But in, in, when we look at the education environment, would you love to get rid of a tape library and, and just be able to stream all of the content that you have in an entire university or college on demand when a professor needs it instead of him going, well, I need this tape and I need yes, this please. DVD. Yeah. So that's going to start happening. That's going to be – <laughs> if you know, for the consumers, you're going to have those. And the other thing we need to remember is it. We've got. We now have a society that wants instant gratification, right? It's the, ever since Napster hit the world and iTunes got popular, people can go, I can get that now. Yeah. You know, you can watch you can watch a movie and hear that hit song, and within 30 seconds of you being out of that movie, you can download it to your phone, or you can have it waiting for you on a computer. Same thing on the television. Oh, I heard about this great book. Oh, yeah, I've got it on my – so that whole instant gratification uh, is driving a lot of this. I see something. I want it now. I don't want to have to wait till tomorrow to go to the store and pick it up. I can have it now. And that's one of the big driving factors. And we're, you know, we're all kind of a victim of it. I hear a song. I like it. Ooh, can I get that online? And I, can I track it down? Oh, I can get it from iTunes. I can get it from Amazon. Oh, good. It's only going to cast me 99 cents. I'll download it. Yeah. So it's what, what all those saying makes perfect sense. The, the, the one thing that I find bothersome when we're talking about uh, streaming and physical media is um, content that's in other places of the world that we just don't have access to. Uh, you know, there's stuff out of, out of uh, Britain or Australia or even Japan um, that people go, hey, you know, uh, I really want to get that. Oh, but I can't get it here because of uh, licensing agreements or mm -hmm. copyright or whatever the heck it is. So how are they getting it? Well, they're either getting it illegally or they're um, trying to find a way to get it legally, and that's through a physical media. You know, it's especially big when uh, if you look at Japan with the Japanese market. You know, they have a whole culture of of crazy cartoons, and people just love them, and they either get it illegally or they track down the DVDs or the Blu-rays, and then they bring them here, and hopefully they've got a region-free player. Explain what a region-free player is, Adrian. Uh, when we look at DVD and Blu-ray content, because of various restrictions and stupidity, oh. that I cannot buy a DVD in North America and have it play in a DVD player in England unless that player is region-free. Uh, so it's, it's the same thing with... Asia and, and so on. It's 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 maddening sometimes. So if you want to find content from, uh, you know, a particular program, uh, this uh, there was a program I grew up when I was a kid. Um, it was called Littlest Hobo. Great little show about a dog that ran around to help people. You cannot get that stuff anywhere in North America. However, I found it in England. 
luckily for me, the DVDs that they mastered under the license agreement they had were region free. So what did I do? Ordered it from Amazon UK. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and, and that's one of the big things is it's, <laughs> it's content. You have things that you want to watch and see because you grew up, you liked it as a kid or you saw something, off, you know, and you thought it was cool and you want to get a hold of it. And if you can get it instantly, you'll do it. If you can't and you're dedicated to it, you will track it down. You know that that's very true. So, and then you have other issues like PAL and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah, well, it's, yeah. most of the time you can get by that. <laughs> Converters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something you said, Adrian. That... <laughs> go 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 ahead. Go ahead. The uh, the uh, educators. A lot of times in my experience, man, I hate to say it, but educators uh, at universities and stuff are some of the most hesitant people to give up their 20-year-old VHS of Masterpiece Theater that they've been showing as a demonstration for, for the past 20 years. You know, So that the idea of getting an entire university to go streaming. I they got to him. <laughs> they, they heard and just to kind of carry on with what Phil was uh, uh, saying is yeah but there's going to come a point where number one that tape player is going to die yeah. you're not going to be able to replace it because the hardware is not going to be there anymore or your physical media will die I mean well, and, and not to that but, but what I do on a normal basis Monday through Friday is, is I deal with education I, I work for a college community college outside of St. Louis and and there have been more than one professor that there's been more than one professor where in really good conversations with them, because, you know, I, I like being able to streamline things and stream things and stuff of things of that nature. Um, they, their concern is the fact that, you know what, their legitimate concern is that they have a tape, a VHS tape, that the company, for whatever reason, in their infinite wisdom, has chosen not to put on DVD. Okay. That's a concern. That That is a legitimate concern. And so then you go through the process of, okay, you know, through the lawyers and this, that, and the other, what rights do we have? And so, you know, that then it gets into a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. And and that's exactly one of the big issues. Uh, what, what's really interesting is every couple of years back, uh, I, I read an article and saw an interesting uh, documentary on Sysonium. And you would not believe – one of the things they're tasked with is archiving physical media, whether it's print, whether it's um, video, audio, as a record. They have these massive collections of audio and video and, and, and print that they keep. But on top of that, they have a ma massive amounts of warehouse space dedicated to parts, pieces, and hardware in order to play that physical media oh, wow. so that they can archive it. So they've got 40 versions of a VHS deck. So if it dies, they can repair it. And it's the same thing with um, uh, their uh, record players. I mean, they have some pretty crazy uh, equipment for archiving this stuff and preserving it. But they keep massive amounts of hardware just in case because they know uh, we're not going to be able to get this box anymore. We better get a whole bunch of them so that we can mm -hmm. make sure that we can play that. And, and there's, there's a lot of – when we look, talk about physical media, and it's all across the board, uh, they're – there, there was PBS had a thing uh, probably uh, 12, uh, maybe 20 years ago that they talked about how computer software, uh, we've lost the ability to read some of these programs and some of these operating systems that were developed around because we've just gotten rid of the computers that read them. <laughs> and a lot of that stuff they kind of have to track down again in order to archive them and read them 
uh, or even uh, there are actually some of these uh, environments that the technology is so old that you know you need to have a reel-to-reel type hard drive mm-hmm. in order to read the software, and it's running you know a major piece of uh, infrastructure technology. Yeah, that my, my dad used to work for a company that that's that's kind of what they did is they they had the old reel-to-reel magnetic tapes and that was you know. Uh, at the time, hundreds and hundreds of megabytes on these tapes. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of information. And now I have 10,000 times that in my pocket. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. This, uh, if you've ever listened to this show for more than five minutes, um, you'll hear, you've heard me say I hate press releases because I hate press releases. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and go with one to get us into... Uh, just kind of talking about um, one of my favorite uh, subjects, and that's Crestron. <laughs> and um, so this is this comes from Wildwood PR, press relations extraordinaire, I'm certain. Uh, Randy Klein said, it's a proud day in the history of Crestron, talking about reaching the 50,000th installation milestone uh, of the digital media system. If you're not familiar with the Crestron digital media system, uh, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. That is audio and video and control and also IP uh, down a single pipe, down a single piece of twisted pair. Um, it also does HDCP. It does, it, it's, it's their digital solution. Um, so, Adrian, let's kind of get into talking about their digital media. Um, is this, you know, are, are you surprised that it's the 50th installation? I'm sorry, 50,000th installation already? Um, or are you surprised that it didn't? It took longer than, than, than this? Nope, not surprised at all. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, when we look at sending digital content uh, and keeping it all in the same environment, the Crestron is probably the most mature uh, product um, out of any of the manufacturers right now because they started so early. Uh, but I would kind of counter that I think that number may be a little bit low. Uh, they said for switchers, but are they actually counting all their installations? That's one of the things we talked about in the, in the Crestron Roadshow is are they also including endpoint to endpoint, which means a transmitter and receiver. That's part of the DM family. Yeah, that's true. That number would probably be infinitely higher than just that 50,000 you know, uh, router buckets, you know, switching frames. So if you look, if you want to find that, I think Crestron's probably got the most product out that's in the market worldwide, you know, functioning and working. And yes, there were headaches and there were problems, and but it's with everything. But uh, I think now they've got the, the product that's the most mature that actually works start to finish. Uh, I think the rest of the manufacturers are playing a lot of catch up, and I think they'll get there eventually. I mean, Extron's got a very strong showing coming up uh, for their, you know, digital, uh, you know, products. AMX has got a fairly strong, um, there's a company up there out of Europe, but they, they started shipping here. They're called Lightwear or Lightwave mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got some interesting products. So, are you know, there's definitely a lot of people nipping at Crestron's heels, but I think Crestron's got right now the best, you know, solution. And uh, I hope they sell more. Because it works, and I don't have that many headaches when it works. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing with me is that the, it it does kind of just work, and and um, it, it's it's nice to uh, to see kind of the 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 evolution of this. I was talking to to somebody about about their about Crestron's digital media, and kind of explained the, the brief um, evolution of it. You know, when they first started, it was it was two pieces of, of twisted pair, and 
that was how you you got you know the DHCP down the line, and you got you know the 1080p or the 720p, depending on which one you were sending, um, and everything. And now they've just kind of honed it and, and done some magical things, and now it's a single a single piece of twisted pair or crazy thing, if you would, a single fiber. Um, <laughs> and well, you got uh, single mode, multi mode. When <laughs> when they first came out, DM it was three wires. Yeah. You know, you you had to have the three because of what was being sent down the pipe. That's right. They started with three. It was almost like quick media. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. One of the things is is that 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 four pair that was Crestnet, but it wasn't really Crestnet. Was kind of like a, a a traffic cop. You know, it was making sure that everything was was kind of all together because it, you had to have a time right or it didn't work at all. Uh, and and it, and a lot of it was because at the time the the chipsets just really couldn't yeah, handle a lot. Hey, there's Phil. Yeah, Really couldn't handle a lot of what was going on, and as they worked with with the, the the provider, the chipset, and things got refined, and they they started dialing in on stuff. They got down to eight G plus, and there's some really they can do a lot of cool things with just that one wire. I mean, and you know it's definitely uh, saving uh, you know a lot when it comes to your installation costs. Uh, do I recommend anyone who's working with Crestron get their guys trained? Oh oh yeah, heck yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, DMC, you know, get your DMCD, get the E, get the T, you know, learn how to do it. Keep and, and, keep, keep my buddy Kevin employed. So. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing I'd recommend is with any digital media system, use shielded, you know, Cat5 cable or Cat6 cable. You know, make sure it hits that, you know, 300 plus, you know, megahertz spec because uh, it, it just, it saves your butt in the end. Uh, I mean, that's if I can't re- recommend anything more is, you know, make sure you've got good cable. Phil, do you like uh, Crestron's DM as much as you like Cisco? I, I do, man. I do dig DM stuff. And actually, uh, I'm I'm looking forward. April 19th, they'll be here in Nashville. Oh, they're coming there. Okay. And, cool. uh, and I'll get to check out the road show here as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. We get we get a little something-something every now and then, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, maybe uh, they'll have, have the UFO for you. I've personally programmed a ton of DM systems. Um, well, did that, they not have it for you guys? They did not have the UFO. Oh. However, they did have their... Um, their uh, content recording solution. Oh, that thing is awesome! Oh, it's cool. That <laughs> oh, cool. that right there is that is that that to me is, is kind of a game changer for, as far as education uh, when it comes to classroom capture and stuff. So their capture HD HD system. But what we were going to talk about next is the UFO, and I'm not making this up. That's the actual product name of their new waterproof remote. Uh, it is the Crestron UFO-WPR-3ER. Um, it's a flying saucer. Embrace it. <laughs> it's a freaking flying saucer. <laughs> I am sorry. Um, I don't know what to say about this. Uh, it, it's uh, got a rugged, rubberized outer skin. It's waterproof. I don't know what was funnier, Rave's photo or CE Pro's photos. Oh, let's go over CE Pro's photos because those are funnier. Um, this comes to us from Julie Jacobson. Um, there, here are the five things you can do with the new UFO. Uh, one is to use it as a curling stone. I love that. Uh, if you don't know what curling is... Google it. It's a funny um, winter sport. It's a, hey, it's not funny. It's actually a really fun, great sport. I enjoy it. I just wish St. Louis had some. <clears throat> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Next is use it as a Frisbee. 
uh, or neck jewelry. I don't know what that fourth picture is. Uh, use it as stones. I think it's an egg. Is that an egg? It's, probably, okay. it's an egg or it's Chinese oh. food. I don't um, know. <laughs> yo-yos and also to give a water skiing squirrel as a wave board. So that comes to us from Julie Jacobson. I, I, you know what? They, they, they've had waterproof ones before. This one is kind of cool, the, the functionality. I just don't quite sure why they made it into a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I think it's, it's a conversation piece, man. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you dropped your your UFO in my in my hot tub. It, it almost looks. <laughs> There's like a, a euphemism for you. It, it, it almost looks like a hockey puck and an iPhone had relations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think they realize that the touch panel market is a tough market, man. With all the with all the handheld and tablet solutions these days, so what's something that's going to stand out a little bit? And so let's make a UFO, and then let's embrace the fact that it's kind of weird, you know? Just call it a UFO. And they've had funky touch panel designs yeah. before. I mean, this is not, you know, out of the ballpark for them. I mean, they they had a few really funky ones, uh, you know, a couple years back that, you know, it's like, oh, it looks like everybody else's. Oh, it is everybody else's. It's got Crestron's name on it. <laughs> but, and, 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 you, you, and if you notice, it's not a touch panel anymore. It's a touch screen. They're all touchscreens now. Touchscreen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, touchscreen. That was that's a that's a marketing change for Crestron. We can't call them touch panels anymore. Well, but and I guess this is it, we we talked with uh, with Randy Klein and, and Frank Marchetti a couple of weeks ago, and it talked a little bit about you know their interfaces and, and and one of the things is is the iPad and the iPhone and the Android interfaces, and, and he was very frank and very honest and said you know. That you you yes those are there but that's not the end all to be all when it comes to, you know, crash drawn touch panels or touch screens, um, and I I see this, <laughs> and then I think of like their uh, their their V twelves and their TPS six Xs which are gorgeous, sexy devices, and then I see the the UFO and go. <laughs> somebody was somebody was on vacation that week, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Some, somebody that usually signs off on these things was out of the office that day. I don't know. Yeah, and I think what will make this this screen, this touchscreen Excel, is is when they release their new um, Core Three UI and OS. Because uh, from what I've seen, it's it's rather cool uh, what you can do uh, to develop a GUI. Uh, no more having to. Uh, if you've ever done a touch panel GUI, what was the most maddening thing in the world? Is a keypad. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. fourteen buttons plus. All I have to do one at a time, and then I do my first one, and I copy it, and then I got to change it, then I got to tweak mm-hmm. it. And if I have to scale, oh good lord! <laughs> and yeah. what will be great about you know seeing some of these improvements is the smart scaling technology that they've implemented, which means you can actually create a touch. Uh, you, you know, a, U, a GUI once and be able to scale it uh, and have it scale properly when you put it into a new and into a different size touchscreen or drag in an already set up keypad ready to go and then you just have to make some minor changes. Being able to change the theme on the fly for a touch panel, you know, so it's, it's definitely going to make this, this little, you know, guy excel with what it needs to do and, and all of their other touchscreen lines. So, you know, it's it's going to be a, a, a fun little, you know, what's going on. I, I so should have gone to that class. <laughs> it was pretty neat. Yeah. It showed some cool stuff. 
All right. Well, that was the last story we had. Now that we've made fun of of Crash, you know, good good for you guys for having fifty thousand DMs. What the heck are you thinking when it comes to UFO? Uh, <laughs> just just think the party will be so much grand grander. Why? Well, because they they've sold fifty thousand DMs. I'm pretty oh, sure they right. get. They'll, they'll, you know, get, they'll probably have, they'll probably have you know a big a big thing at the party. You know? They'll get more. Uh, they'll get more pigs in a blanket. So. Yeah, yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, Phil Cordell, he is the high fi, the AV professional. Uh, he that's what he is on Twitter and also the website. Uh, do you have anything to pimp or promote there, sir? I don't, man. This is a good time as always. Thank you for your time, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, also with us is Adrian Boyd. Adrian, you're going to have to give me your, your Twitter thing. Uh, let's see. It's the underscore AV underscore CAD underscore guy. Yay. The AV CAD guy. Yeah. And then the website is vectorsketch.com. So. Uh, thanks, guys, so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us and sticking with us this long. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it is Tim Oh, that's Tim. Good Lord. I'm going to send people someplace else. T.D. Albright, Tim David Albright uh, on Twitter. But more importantly for me and everybody here at AV Nation, uh, go to the website. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, the other uh, podcasts that we have, Live Live, EdTech, the Women in AV podcast, all sorts of other things for that and more. Go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Thank you so much for joining us. That's all the time we have for AV Week.